Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. So I want to ask you, um, where does the difference come from? Where does the ability to be supernaturally different in a self-serving world, where does that difference come from? Come from. I want to suggest to you today that it comes from identity. And that is the key to everything. It's the difference. And so, go ahead, next slide. Um, the reality is that you and I, until we are serving in Christ and strongly living our passion and purpose in a identity set in Christ, in an identity set as a servant, until we're living out of that identity, we're living out of an identity that does not fit. And the tragic thing is that most of us are living out of an identity that does not fit day after day. It's Groundhog Day over and over again, and and we have not found our place in life. We are not comfortable in our own skin. We're still living in uh, a a path of pain, and God has this great identity that He wants to, to give you. It is who you're made to be. You were created to be the sons and daughters of God, the serving sons and daughters of God. In Matthew 13, or 3, verses six, uh, 16 through 17, there's a story of Jesus that we often kind of pass by, but I, I, I think that this story of Jesus' baptism, it's a story that explains just about everything in Jesus' life. One of the scenes, and you've got to use your imagination, that astonishes me most about Jesus is, is when he stood before Pilate. Now, you and I, uh, I don't know how you imagine that scene, but when I imagine the scene, um, I, I'm not sure that I get the inequity of the scene. I'm not sure I get the, the, the power inequality. I'm not sure that I get, um, you know, how intentionally Jesus was placed in a position of weakness and of humiliation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who uh, opposed Adolf Hitler and, uh, and probably... Uh, worked for his assassination. Um, right towards the end of the war, when the artillery flashes are over the horizon for the Allies coming to liberate him, uh, he was marched to the gallows. But the Nazis could not just hang Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, they stripped him naked, and he walked to the gallows naked. The Germans are there in all their pomp, uh, all their dress uniforms, um, you know, military parade style, and one of the officers commented basically that we failed to humiliate him because he walked confident to his, to his next. Jesus is there before Pilate. He is bound, he is beaten. He is, uh, you know, absolutely just outmatched in terms of human glory. I mean, breastplates of polished brass, uh, you know, weapons, uh, you know, sharp and, and shiny, uh, soldiers arrayed all around the court, the crowd. It is all arrayed against this one man standing in front of Pilate in all of his pride. And Jesus gives him nothing. Don't you know, he says, that I have the power to condemn you, to take your life? And, and Jesus 
just stands before him silent, basically. And then eventually says, you have no power except what the Father has given you. Where did that kind of confidence come from? <laughs> Jesus knew who he was. And I believe this, the kind of stamp of that knowledge is revealed in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up. Now I want you guys to, to, to picture this. The skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice saying, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. Other translations, this is my well-loved son. This is my beloved son. Jesus knew who he was. All of his life, he lived as the beloved of God. He wasn't scratching around for an identity from people. He wasn't walking into relationships needy. He knew who he was. His identity was set and growing. His identity was a God-given identity. He was sent to serve. And with a passion and a purpose that has changed the world and is still echoing in human hearts, that's the impact of, of an identity set in the love of God. All of his life, in the fire of every temptation and every human rejection, Jesus lived from the truth of his being that he was God's well-loved child. How do we live the difference in the world? Well, the difference is identity. But it's not just identity, okay? It's accepting your identity. You see, every child is invited home, but not every child will choose to come home. Everybody is loved by God, but not everybody's going to choose to live in God's love. Everybody is wanted by God, but not everybody's going to want God. Jesus died for every child, but not every child will humble themselves and, and run into his arms. And so, Matthew 7, 13 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, Jesus, because the highway to hell is broad and its gates wide for those who choose that way. So I want to ask you this morning, what's your identity base? What is your identity in? You know, there's a, a million different things we can base our identity in, um, and there's certainly stereotypes that are, that are not true for everybody, but, um, you know, men and women base their identity often in their performance. And um, I, I can't tell you how many men I have met in my life, my journey, who have based their whole identity on achieving rank, making rank, um, or, or, you know, moving ahead in, in the corporation, and then they retire, and who they were is gone. Not a great investment. Um, is your identity based on your beauty? In being beautiful, being attractive, is that, is that your identity? In being wanted? What is your identity based in? What's your agenda? And, and, and to take the time to ask ourselves, whose agenda am I really living? Am I living my agenda? Am I living somebody else's agenda in my life? You know, somebody that I've given power to, somebody that I'm needy towards, somebody that I, uh, I'm afraid of? Have, have I ceded the agenda of my life to another broken human being? Is there an agenda to my life? Is there a purpose? Am I living God's agenda? 
Guys, I want to tell you that you have been offered an identity. And the identity that you and I have been offered is to be God's well-loved daughters and his well-loved sons. But it is not enough to be offered that identity. You and I have to embrace it in a way that is deeper than religion. We have to accept it in a way that is soul deep. Um, we have to soak in it. We have to marinate in it. We have to open our hearts and, and, and throw open the doors of our pain to it. And, and we have to let it heal. I look out at you and I see literally beautiful and amazing people. I see the creations of God. Each one of you is the art of God. And Satan in his lies has done everything he can to corrupt the image of Father in you. Satan in his hatred towards you has spoken through parents, spoken through teachers, spoken through coworkers, spoken through people you did not even know, um, hate into your life, and, and some of you are playing those tapes over and over again. And some of you have an identity set in a sinking brokenness. And today you need to change. I'm not saying it's instant, I'm not saying it's easy, but what I'm saying is you are offered an identity. And in the same way the skies opened up with Jesus and a voice from heaven said, this is my well-loved son. Happened again at the end of Jesus' life, the transfiguration, and, and, and there uh, the father adds, listen to him. And so I would just simply say the same to you. You're, you have a choice to listen to the voice or all those crazy voices <laughs> in your head and in your past and in the fears you have for the future. <sighs> Can you accept who you are? Because when you do, Something changes inside of you. There, there, there's a beginning of a difference. You see, obedience is the evidence of identity. And it's not this driven obedience of, of you know, unwilling uh, reluctance. It is this kind of joyful embrace of being. It is this, this discovery. Have, have you ever thought you couldn't do something and then you tried it and you found out you could? Anybody? You know what I'm saying? You know? I mean... There's been a hundred times this voice has played in my head, there's no way you can, and then you fill in the blank. And too often, in response to that voice, I have said, okay, and I believed it and backed off and laid down in the corner. But sometimes, that voice plays, and there's another voice that starts to, to play. And this is the voice of, of Father, and He says, you are my beloved Son. I have chosen you and I have marked you with my love. You can stay down and die in the dark or you can rise up in the light. You can live a shrinking back life that is full of fear and anger and all kinds of, of substitutes for the real joy that your soul was created to. And let me just say, there is no amount of sexuality, no amount of, of materialism, there's no amount of, of brokenness that you can gather from the trash heap of this world to fill the emptiness inside. It is only the love of God that can give you an identity that will, that will resonate and, and, and be who you were created to be. There's only one identity that fits. 
and all these other identities that we're trying on, they don't fit. They don't work. They never will. And how insane is it that we keep holding on to crazy when we have been offered who we are. So I want to share with you that obedience is not about, you know, uh, a begrudging, you know, uh, following of God as He denies your fun in life. If that's your idea about God, you don't know God. God is the God of of the great adventure. That's what this world is. That's what heaven will be. God is the God of of infinite joy. God is the God of a love that that is beyond you know, it is what we're all longing and looking for. And, and, and when we love God, we, we, we live this identity. We accept it. And we refuse to live in disobedience, which is cancer of the soul. Even in this baptism um, scenario, in Matthew 3, in verses 13 through 15, Jesus comes to John and, and, and says, you know, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no way, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, uh, no, it needs to be this way to fulfill all righteousness. In the plan and the purpose of God, I'm humbling myself as a servant. And this day will mark my identity for the rest of my, my time on earth. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching." So holiness and obedience, they are, they are not out of, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, necessarily just, just fear and, and intimidation. They are the expression of, of identity and of alignment. Any of y'all ever driven a car out of align, alignment? You know, you take your hand off the wheel, you know, you do that and you got to bring it back over. But when the car is aligned, you know, and don't do this, please. But you take it off the wheel, you know, your hand off the wheel, and just goes on down the road, doesn't it? And that's what love does to your inner being. It aligns your life. It is the fit you were created for. It's your passion and purpose. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, Jesus called his feuding disciples together, and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. They're looking for an identity and finding that identity in power. The officials flaunt their authority. Look at who I am. They're they're creating their own fake glory. And they do this over all those beneath them. But among you it will be different. But among you it will be different. And it is this difference that the world is dying to see. But it's not just the difference that the world is dying to see. I want to suggest to you it's the difference that you and I are dying to live. Guys, there is, if we could have a dissatisfaction ometer in this room, <laughs> it would be through the roof in so many ways. So much dissatisfaction in marriage, so much dissatisfaction at work, so much dissatisfaction with, with kids, with parents, with, with relatives, and some of the greatest dissatisfaction with self. What Father wants to say to you is, I have a difference that I want to give you. And this difference is not an education that I'm going to train your brain from the outside. No, no, no. This difference is I'm going to remake your soul. 
I'm going to come inside of you and I'm not just going to do a drive-by, you know, hit and run on your life. I'm going to come and live inside of you and I'm going to indwell you and creatively remake you and I'm going to, to recreate what I intended you to be in the beginning. Will you let me in? And to live loving only really comes from living loved. So I ask you again, have you ever really let yourself be loved? And are you willing to believe, and I know that some of you are saying, well, this doesn't sound very deep. Mm. I just want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, you couldn't be more wrong. Until you know that you are lovable and loved, you'll never fit in this world. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is declaring that his identity is as a servant. And I want to share with you this morning that when you know whose you are, you serve like you're sent. You see, saved people serve people with passion and purpose. And when you know who you are and who you belong to, you serve. It is your identity. You're no longer seeking an identity. You're no longer needing something from other broken people. You're no longer looking for position and authority and prestige. It's no longer in your appearance, in your power. It is no longer in what you possess or drive. Your significance is in whose you are. And your identity is now not something that you're searching for any longer. It is an identity received and now an identity lived. You are a servant of of the Most High God. And I'm telling you guys, this is revolutionary. It really, really is. When, when you and I live our lives and we're looking for something, um, you know, we're looking for something, looking for something, looking for something, and God is offering to say, here's what fits, here's what fits, here's what fits, and we, we keep on the wrong backpack and say, no, this one's fine, this one's fine, this one's fine. Guys, we've got to wake up. You need the difference. The world needs the difference. You need to be a servant, and the world needs your service. You will never be happy. You will never be filled. You'll never be uh, free. You'll never be bold or courageous. Your life will never be the adventure that God intends it to be until you accept your identity as the well-loved son and daughter of God who is a servant of the Most High God. But when you accept that and the difference begins in you, then you begin to live the difference in a broken world, and other people see God through you. And I'm just telling you, it is just such a great thing to know who you are and to not need the approval of other people. I was in Brazil at one time, um, in Brasilia, the capital. Actually, we were outside of Brasilia in, in a... Uh, I don't know what you would even call it. it uh, there's a, a lot of, at that time in Brazil, people would just come in from the north in buses and get off the bus and find an open piece of land and build on it. And eventually the owner would show up, sometimes months later, sometimes years later, and they would work something out. And so I'm in one of those communities, and, um, and, and in, in that part of Brazil, um, society is very stratified between those who have money and those who don't. One of our missionaries was, was 
angrily criticized uh, in, in the capital city uh, for mowing their own yard because people like us don't do that. Those people do. And, and literally, I mean, they, they, it wasn't just a joking, oh, you don't do that. No, it was like, are you an idiot? What's, what's wrong with you? You don't do that. Anyway, we're out there, and we're helping in construction, building a building. A building. And I'm out there, and, and, and these guys who sling something called haboko, um, you know, it's, it's just this mud that they mix, and they sling it against the wall. I mean, they sling it, and it's art, right? And, and then you put an American in there. I, I wore more of it than I had on the wall, you know. I mean, I'm all over the place. I'm, I, I'm a mess. And, 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 and then we're trying to, to mix paint in a five-gallon bucket, and we get a piece of rebar and a drill, because the bottom of the paint, there's clay in it, you know, so we're getting there, and I'm going like this, and I'm lifting it too far and slinging paint everywhere. I mean, I'm a total mess, but I'm having a blast and meeting Marcos and making friends that, that, I, will, that I have for all of eternity. Fast forward through the day, and, and, and then the officials pull up, the Baptist officials, they pull up in their suits and ties. And they're walking through looking for the important people, right? Well, technically, I guess I was in charge, you know? <laughs> but, but I'm looking to fright. I'm the mess, you know? I'm, I'm just down there. And, and it was such a, a, an, an interesting experience as these guys came out in their suits and ties with just this, what I perceive to be a haughtiness uh, on them, um, looking for important people to talk to and clearly having no time to talk to anybody who was dirty. It really didn't matter, you know, because I knew who I was. Do you know who you are? Do you feel bad about yourself? Do you hate yourself? Because you see, when you have soul cancer and you don't know your identity, all kinds of crazy things happen as you overcompensate and your ego builds and, and, and you have to be all that and, and you try to construct your own house of cards kind of life and it, it doesn't work and, and, and all you have to do is accept the identity that you've been given. Jesus is saying to his disciples, guys, guys, stop this stupid stuff of trying to be more important than other people and ranking yourself and seeking for yourself. Let me tell you who I am. I am the son of man. Even that term, son of man, all the titles that Jesus could have chosen to use, king of kings and lord of lords, creator, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the lamb of God. But he chooses a term of humanity. And not even being over humanity, but he's, even as a son, being kind of even under. I am the son of man. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you understand that you and I are to be the difference in this world? And one of the reasons why this world is so radically lost as it is, is because they can't see the difference that Jesus is. Well, Pastor Drew, they don't live when Jesus lived. Well, yeah, they do, because Jesus is to be living through you and I. And I believe with all my heart, Dr. Cat, I bet, is going to talk about it next week, 
that there could be an amazing revival in us and in our region if, if we would only put on the identity that fits and living loved, we would live love serving. Serve at home. There's so much war in our houses and hell in our homes that could be ended if you just stopped you know, the fight and you just started serving. Well, Pastor Drew, it's not fair. I have three things to say to you. Wah, wah, wah. Of course it's not fair. You're living in a world that's on its way to hell. It's, it's, it, you know, it's like being on the Titanic and saying, this isn't fair. I agree. Let's get in the lifeboat and talk about it later. Every tear that you weep, Father, collects and cares about, but right now, for the time that you have on planet Earth to influence other people, it is vital and imperative that you stop living your old, broken, dead and cancerous identity, that you accept that you are the beloved sons and daughters of God, that you are a servant sent to love the world, to be the difference, and living that difference, you will find your joy. And it will never be fair, and your life may not turn out like you want it to turn out, but it doesn't matter, because whose agenda are you living? Your agenda must die on the cross, nailed three times to, to a gruesome death, then you are free to live God's agenda. God's agenda may not look like what you ever conceived, but who cares? He's God. He's good. And the best that you could conceive from your life is, is, is not even the basement of what God uh, has to give for you. His highest is so much above your imagination. Lay down your agenda and serve at home. Save your marriage by serving at home. Well, they don't love me back. Stand under Niagara Falls and tell me you're thirsty. Okay? Stay in the presence of your father, living so loved, and tell me you can't love at home, at work, at school. Jesus said in John 19, um, verse 21, uh, he, he's just showed up with the disciples. I mean, you know, it's hard on the heels of the resurrection. Resurrection Sunday has just happened, and the disciples are scared in a locked room, and Jesus shows up the first time and says, peace be with you. <laughs> Everything is now revealed, and, and, I, and, and I, I believe Jesus is saying, I hope you get the change. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Do you, do you get the impact of those words? Oh my gosh, Father, your plan A was awesome. Jesus, that was great. Good move. Thank you for sending him. And now Jesus says, no, 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 plan A is sending you. Oh, that's not such a good plan. Let's get back to, the, uh, to the, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's get back to the perfect one. Let's get back to, to you, Jesus. We are getting back to me as I send you. And, and, and the scripture, it's, it's hard to convey in the Greek, the, the, the word used as, but it just literally means in the exact same way, with the same heart and intent, with the same purpose and passion that, that the Father sent me into the world to redeem, to reveal, to, to recover His children. The Father is sending us into the world. And with that, He breathed on them. I love that. What did that look like? When you and I breathe on people, they usually go, oh, my goodness, you know, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> reaching for the mints. One of the things I loved about Pastor Ben was Pastor Ben was just Pastor Ben, you know? 
Pastor Ben would, would tell people around him, you know what, you need a man. You need a man. <laughs> it's like, I love you, brother. Thanks for your honesty, you know. <laughs> but here's Jesus. And he's saying in the exact same way the Father sent me into the world. And all the wonder that you've seen, the difference you've seen in my life, how people marveled at God's authority and, and marveled at his healing and marveled at the joy that I brought into life in the exact same way that Father sent me into the world, I am sending you. You guys are the sent ones. And with that, he breathed on them. Guys, in the world, this pecking order thing with our, with our, our cancerous identities, where we either see ourselves as absolutely nothing or we then build this exaggerated sense where we have to be over and above people. And both of those things are, are, are dead and sick. D do you know who you are? You have the breath of God on your life. The generative, creative, joyful Holy Spirit is in you. The breath of God. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gifts you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. You know, the, the, the thing I love about 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Some of you are out here saying, well, I'm not gifted. I'm not gifted. I'm just not gifted. Well, if you mean you can't sing, join the club. I took guitar for years. Years. My brother's a great guitarist. I took guitar for years. I studied with a great teacher. Do you know what I concluded? I'm terrible. <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm not a guitarist. Okay, so where is my, my gifting? Where does my creativity come out? You have received the gift of God. You have received the grace of God. Each of you is a, you're like a pixel on a TV screen that's revealing the glory of God. And, and, and some of you are here saying, well, I don't have a gift. Yes, you do. To believe you're not gifted is to call God a liar. You want to do that? Please step outside, away from the building. I don't want to have to rebuild it from the fire, from the lightning. You are gifted, and you are called to use your gifts to serve others. Save people. Good, very good. How did you guys come up with that? It's impressive. Colossians 3.24 says, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, the problem with teaching about inheritance without connecting it to servanthood is that you're, you're acting like a trust fund kid, right? I, I went to, to Yale for a little bit as, as a poor person, and I was around some trust fund kids, and trust me, we were not, it was different worlds, right? My, my car with $4,000 worth of hail damage on a $4,500 car did not look like the other cars. And the trust fund kids had a different, you know, attitude and experience in life, and and Christians being taught about, you are the child of God, you are the child of, you have the inheritance of God. Well, yes, you do, but that inheritance was given to you to give away as servants. So let's stop acting like a bunch of trust fund kids, and let's be who we are. Serving is revelational. That's one reason we're saved to serve. You see, when your identity is set in Christ, others see Christ in your living. I love the story of Daniel. Um, Daniel was a faithful servant of the Most High God, and, and the jealous people around him uh, made up some rules that would 
that would get him arrested for being faithful to God. And so he gets thrown into a lion's den, intentionally starved animals. Um, and this wasn't, as you see the pictures, you know, the flannel graphs from the kids, like, like almost like Jesus' tomb, you know, he walks in. No, 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 this was a pit. They, they dropped you in. You broke stuff typically on the way down, right? This was not meant to be a pleasant experience. And the scripture says uh, in Daniel 6.19 that at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he, heard, uh, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, now listen to the, to the identity the king attached to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God. How did the king know that? He'd seen it. He'd seen it in his life consistently. He'd seen it in his values. He'd seen it in, in his service to the king. So Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. Do you see how God had been revealed to the king through Daniel's faith? Guys, that's you. I'm not the revealer of Christ in this community. You are. It's your living as servants. It's your accepting your identity as, as the people called of God to, to go and be the difference. That's, that's everything. Has your God been able to rescue from the lions? And then uh, the, the, the revelational aspect of this is, is, is huge in Daniel chapter 6, verse um, through 25 through 27. Then the king Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. Now, you, you gotta get, I got to understand, this guy's a pagan. He's been worshiping all these false gods, some of whom were pretty ugly. But now he knows because he's seen. And how did he see? He saw through a servant. You see, saved people, and the people served, see the Savior. For he is the living God, he endures forever, his kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Guys, I'm telling you that God is waiting to bring about a great revival and a great movement of his spirit upon the United States of America when his people throw off their old broken identities and they accept their new identity in Christ and they begin living their identity as servants there will be saving that breaks out everywhere. So I want to I just ask you a health check. I, I literally do. I want you to take the back of your notes there. And you're going to see there, there's a, uh, a line <laughs> there. And I want you to get that pen that you're probably sitting on. And I want you to be honest. No one's looking. If somebody looks at you, you just give them a look, you know. You can give them the loving evil eye. Like, mind your own business, you know. But I want you to take your pen and honestly... Check how much of your identity are you finding in Christ on a daily basis. Be honest. Be honest. And ask yourself, whose agenda are you actively living? Someone else's, your own, or the Father's? Because the Father's identity will always be that of a servant. And has there ever been a time you focused on seeking God's serving agenda for your life? Have you, ever, have you ever prayed and asked God, how have you called me to serve? Guys, so, so the response is simply this, uh, focus on your call to serve. Commit 
to your identity. Throw off everything in your life that does not fit. All that you've gathered from this world that, that everybody else in heaven can see does not fit. It is not you. Throw it off and put on Christ. Because save people, serve people. And let the Father tell you where you will serve. And let the Father lead Literally, your life can impact thousands and thousands of people for Christ. They will see it in your service. They will see the sun. And you will live the joy. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you in this moment simply to choose to make a commitment in this moment, to throw off your old identity and to accept your new as the well-loved daughter and son of the Most High God. And, and then, if you know what you're called to, to do in serving, then commit to it and get busy doing it. And if you don't know what you're called to do in serving, then, then commit to seeking it with all of your heart. And we're here to help you find how you're called to serve. But it all has to begin with this moment of surrender. So Father, in the name of Jesus, um, this gathering is, is a group of your well-loved, beautiful sons and daughters. I pray that they would no longer listen to the voices of, of this broken world, but they would hear your beautiful voice calling them into who they are really created to be. And God, that in the beauty of their service, that there would be revelation and salvation that occurs, that there would be transformation at home, at work. God, that literally a revival would break out at the church at Seven Run and beyond because your people know who they are and live it. Father, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. As all God's people say, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. As we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.